Good morning. Oh, I got some. Good morning, everyone. Oh, I'm so glad to see you here. Boy, everybody's so chirpy and happy. That's wonderful. <laughs> did, did you guys have a good, did, well, did anybody go to the parade last night and see our float? It looked so good. It looked so good. I have lots of pictures, but it looked good, and the kids were fun to watch and super neat to see that from our church there. So I'm glad that we were able to get out and stand in the cold and watch them go by and cheer them on. <laughs> it was wonderful. Well, we are going to get started with worship this morning. Would you stand with me? And let's welcome the Holy Spirit here this morning during this Christmas season. It's such a good reminder for all of us to just kind of transport back to that time when Jesus came and what a miracle it truly was and how he came so humbly and he came quietly and some of us didn't even recognize that he was there. So I want to recognize when he comes again. Amen. I want to be ready for him, but I'm excited to celebrate him. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being here this morning, Jesus. Thank you for the fact that you came to this earth just for us, and you knew each one of us by name and every hair on our head. Lord, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we get to celebrate you this morning and that we get to step into your throne room for this time. So, Lord, I ask you to feel welcome here, and I ask you to come in, Jesus, and just take over from here, Lord. We love you, and we thank you that we get to celebrate you this morning and, and all of our wonderful brothers and sisters with us, Jesus. We love you. And all God's people said, amen.
Let's pray. Lord, with glad and joyous hearts, we sit and wait in this season of Advent. We turn our hearts and eyes to you, Lord, and, and just sit and contemplate what this season truly means. What does it mean for each person on the face of this planet? What's it mean for us as friends, as followers of you, as sons and daughters of the King? So let us pause this morning as we worship, as we lift your name high and truly seek out what this season means for each one of us here. We thank you for sending your son. We worship him today, Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you could take a few moments and greet one another, turn and say hi to somebody. And the kids are dismissed for Children's Church. Good to be together today. Amen. Get those last hugs and handshakes in. This never gets old. Gathering with the church, coming together to sing praise and pray together and hear his word and encourage each other. Good to be here on the second Sunday in Advent. Praise be to his name. We're going to receive the morning tithes and offerings in just a few minutes. Before that, a few uh, bits of news from the life and ministry of W.P. Naz here. In your bulletins, you have a connection card. Take that out, and if you've got any updated contact information, if you're a guest with us today and want to give us an email address or something, if you have a prayer request, flip side of that card, fill that in. You can drop it in the offering plates when they come around. We might have run out of bulletins today. That's a good problem. If you happen to be a pair and you took two, Look around, and if somebody needs one, maybe you can share that extra with them. Lori mentioned the Christmas parade. Kelly and I got to watch our first ever, hopefully not our last ever, but uh, Woodland Park Christmas parade. We've got a few pictures of our uh, float, thanks to Shelby and Brian and Robin and Craig and 
our kids and everybody that put that together. It was great. I only have one complaint. I didn't get any candy. And I yelled my guts out. Shelby and Robin, you dissed me. You were on my side. But the Elsa's girls have gotten me some candy this morning, so I withdraw my complaint. Now, you guys did a great job. It was a beautiful thing. Ladies, tomorrow is your last day to register for the ladies' tea coming up this Saturday at 1 o'clock. And I think Barbara Fritz or Bernie Vale, one of those two, will be out in the lobby afterwards. You could put your name on a connection card, throw it in the offering plate that you want to come. Or uh, the other details are there on that beautiful insert. Ladies' tea this coming Saturday. Tomorrow's the last day to sign on. And think about bringing a friend. Not too late to do that, right? Great. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Man, we're like 20 days away from that. Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock right here, hour-long service, the whole family in, same on Christmas Day, regular time, 10 a.m. Other details will be forthcoming in that bulletin in the weeks ahead, but looking forward to those uh, services here at the NAS. The holidays are here. Uh, have a slide that tells you what the plan is while Kelly and I are away. They're going to let us go back home for a few weeks. And uh, Pastor Tim and Pastor Larry are going to be uh, providing good pastoral leadership while we're gone and preaching. Looking forward to those services. And I don't know if it's good news or bad news. If you haven't heard yet, we're going to come back. We've got a couple more months with you. We think it's good news. We're looking forward to that. I should say we're looking forward to everything but the winter, although I feel like March to May last year, we got a good little bit of winter. Anyway, that's going to be good. And while we're gone, we'll get to see this person. Yes. Actually, on our way through Kansas City, we'll get to be there for her first birthday, December 16th, so that'll be great. And did you note on that one slide, just remember that date, January 7, that's your opportunity to meet the pastoral candidate. So more details on that coming in the next few weeks. One last note, communion today. Love celebrating communion with my church family. And we may be doing this a bit different than what you're used to today. At communion time, we'll invite you to come up that center aisle, receive a bit of bread dipped in a cup of juice. And in that way, we'll remember the Lord's death until he comes. If you're gluten-free or would prefer the prepackaged elements, they're on either side of the altars up here. As you come up in communion, uh, up the center aisle, then kind of go that way, and that will help the flow of things. But really looking forward to that uh, holy time together uh, today. I think that's it. We're going to wait on you now for the morning tithes and offerings. We're going to have the ushers come forward. Thank you for your giving, for your faithfulness to God. As we're faithful to God in our giving, we support the life and ministry of this church and the difference you're making in this community. God bless you as you give.
second Sunday of Advent, let's hear those words of uh, the, the prophet Isaiah again. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and to the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and of peace there will be no end. The greatest peace we can ever know is peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That truth comes out in the beautiful description of Christ in Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Whether these things are on earth or in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. On the second Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of peace.
it nice to know he's coming back again? Isn't that wonderful? Can you imagine what that night was when he came? And the shepherds were the first ones that God allowed to tell about it. I wanted to be a shepherd. Even though they were the lowliest ones on the earth at the time, 
I wanted to be a shepherd because I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. Do you still feel that way? You still want to tell everybody about Jesus? He, everybody, everybody needs Jesus.
Father, that is the prayer of our hearts, Lord, that you come. Father, we just thank you and we praise you, Lord, because your spirit is here at work among us. We thank you, Lord, for this Christmas season, this beautiful time where we focus upon you and your coming in to our dark, hopeless world to be our light. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for leaving the beautiful golden palaces of heaven to be here, to be one of us, and to bring us hope and salvation. Father, we just pray for each and everyone here today. Lord, we um, think about this Christmas season and know, Father, that this can be a hard time for some. This can be a time when we remember those that we've lost or our circumstances have changed and it's hard. Lord, I pray, Father, that you will meet each and every one at our point of need. I pray, Father, that we will know, we will know that your spirit is at work in the midst of our circumstances. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, for the love that you have for us. We thank you, Father, that we have a church that we can love one another. We thank you, Father, for our church family. And Lord, it's just so good to be able to be about ministry and your mission out into our community. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful time at the parade. And thank you, Jesus, that we could be Christ. We could be light to those around us. Father, we pray that you will use us in powerful ways, Lord, to bring hope to those that live around us, to bring hope to those who we go to school with, to bring hope to those, Lord, that we work with. Father, people are dying without knowing you. And Lord, we have the good news of the gospel to share with them, Father. And I pray, Jesus, you will give us a boldness, a holy boldness and love. Father, to share the good news with those that we care about. We pray for our family members, Lord, who don't know you. We pray, Lord, that you will draw up close to them, that you will be at work in their hearts and in their lives and in their circumstances. And Lord, please draw them into a relationship with you. Father, thank you so much for this time that we have together. Open our hearts and our ears to the message that you have for each one of us today. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated. <clears throat> good morning. It's so good to see all of you today. It's so good to be gathered here to worship the Lord today. You know, I love working with our kids. On Wednesday nights, um, we've been able to work with the kids while the young couples groups group meets, and it has been so much fun. And one thing that I love about kids is their honesty. And I love the way that they look at scripture in just such a beautiful, honest way. At kids' Sunday school class, they were teaching how God created everything, including human beings. Well, little Johnny, he seemed especially intent when they told him how Eve was created out of one of Adam's ribs. Well, later in the week, his mother noticed him lying down on the couch as though he were, he were ill. And she said, Johnny, what's the matter? Little Johnny replied, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm going to have a wife. <laughs> oh. 
poor little Johnny. <laughs> and take scripture so literally, and I love that. Well, we're going to talk about a birth today, but not the birth of a life, the birth of a tiny baby that came into our dark world and brought us hope. This Christmas season, we're going to revisit one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, Luke 2. If you want to go ahead and turn to that, you're welcome to. The birth of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. This birth gave hope to humanity that was experiencing spiritual death because of sin, slavery because of oppression, and rejection because of social status. But Jesus came into this dark and dismal world to bring hope, light, and life to everyone who would believe in him. About a year and a half ago, I was going about my normal daily routine. It was Thursday, and Thursdays were our day off back home. So almost every Thursday, I would be doing our grocery shopping. So I was at the little store Aldi where I like to do my grocery shopping, and I was just finishing up my shopping. I was almost done and was, uh, was going to head over to the, to the checkout. But I went past the cheeses, kind of back in the back of the store before I headed to the checkout. And I noticed a woman that was walking along, just sort of looking at everything. But I could tell something was very wrong with her. So I went up to her and I just said, are you okay? And she said, no. She said, I just found out that I have cancer. And I said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry to hear that. Um, and she said, and I also found out that I'm losing my home because I can't afford it anymore. And, you know, then she just went on just to, just to pour out to me just everything that she was going through. And so I asked her her name. She said, my name is Josefina. And I said, Josefina, would it be okay if I prayed with you? And she said, I would love that. And so I just put my hand on her shoulder, and I prayed that God would be at work in Josefina's life and would help her, would heal her, and that would provide the funds that she needed. Um, and Josefina looked up and thanked me for praying, and we left. And I headed to the checkout, <clears throat> checked out with my groceries. And then I'm, I'm standing there. At all these, you have to bag your own groceries. So I'm standing at the counter, and I'm bagging my groceries and just thinking about the rest of my day. And I hear the, the, uh, the cashier say, I'm sorry, ma'am, you have insufficient funds. And I looked over and it was Josefina. And she's standing there at the register, and she is humiliated, as you could imagine, she is. And all the people, you know, the long line, you know, standing behind her, you know, because now they have to deal with this person with insufficient funds. And so I just whipped out my credit card out of my purse, and I just went over there and I said, Josefina, I would love to buy your groceries today. Is that okay? And I just put my credit card in there and was able to buy her groceries for her. And she thanked me again, and she was just so happy, and I just said, it is not a problem. And I went back, finished bagging my groceries, and I headed out the store. 
Well, in the parking lot, all the people that were standing behind her, I mean, oh my goodness, you would have thought I had donated Posafina one of my kidneys. These people were just amazed that I did this, and they were coming up, they were hugging me, they were thanking me, they were like, oh man, I wish my kids were here to see this. And, uh, you know, they were just, they were also blessed by this, you know, little act of kindness uh, for Josefina. But the more, and then, and then on the way home, I cried all the way home because I felt so blessed to be used in just such a significant way to just help somebody. I was used by the Lord, and I was just so blessed to be able to do that for Josefina. Well, the more that I have thought about that incident and Josefina, I have no idea whatever happened to her. But you know, I, I have come to realize that every single one of us have insufficient funds. We are all born with insufficient funds because we're all born in sin. All of us, every one of us, is born in sin, and there's nothing we can do about it. Insufficient funds. Romans 5.12 says, Sin entered the world through one man, which was Adam, and death, death through sin. And in all this way, death came to all people. And that is all of us. Because of sin, we have come into this world as slaves, slaves to sin, slaves to death, and we are desperate for a Savior. We all have insufficient funds because we were born in sin, but we all have insufficient funds because we all live in a world that is damaged by sin, hatred, abuse, oppression, slavery, and hunger. They're all results of selfishness and sin. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah describes humanity's bleak situation in Isaiah 8. He writes, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and look and will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. The prophet Isaiah, writing this about humanity's hopelessness, 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. And after that final prophet, which was Malachi, God went silent for 400 years. Can you imagine that? Silence from God for 400 years? That's a long time, isn't it? But after 400 years the silence was finally broken with the cry of a baby. Galatians 4, 4 
It says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sonship. And this is how it came about. Luke 2, 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard, they were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God, fully knowing that each and every one of us has insufficient funds, broke into human history. God moved into the neighborhood, and that changed everything. But why? Do you ever wonder why this birth announcement was first shared with the shepherds? Shouldn't this announcement have gone straight to the top, to kings, to nobility, the movers and the shakers, the upper crust of society? Shouldn't that news have gone to them first? 
but it didn't. God chose lowly shepherds, social outcasts, to share this good news with. God does the unexpected, doesn't he? God seldom works as we expect, and that is one of the best evidences of authenticity. God does the unexpected. You can't make this up. If you had been a Jewish writer wanting to make up a story about the entrance of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, into human history after 2,000 years of prophecy, would you have invented a tale in which he was born in a stable and laid in a, food tr in a feed trough? Would you have made the announcement to a bunch of shepherds? I don't think so. So who are these shepherds? First of all, they seem to be homeless because they're living out in the fields, right? They're filthy. They're undesirable. They're the working class. And they're poor. In Christ's day, the shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They were not the ones to be named most likely to succeed in their high school yearbook. They shared the same social status as tax collectors and as dung sweepers. And they were not trusted. But this wasn't always the case with shepherds. During the time of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, shepherding was a noble occupation. The wealthy sons of Isaac and Jacob, they tended flocks. Jethro, the, the priest of Midian and father-in-law to Moses, he employed his daughters as shepherdess. And, they, and he was proud of them. And he was proud of their occupation. You might recall in Jesus' ancestry included a well-known man named David. Do you remember what David did? Shepherd, exactly. He was a shepherd boy who became a great king of Israel. Shepherds became unpopular because of the Egyptians. You remember the 12 tribes of Israel migrated to Egypt during that great famine, and it was during this time that the status of shepherds took a nosedive. The Egyptians, they were farmers and they grew crops. So they considered sheep to be worthless as sacrifices and as food. Sheep and goats meant death to crops. And so the battle between farmers and the shepherds began. The Egyptians hated shepherds. And after 400 years of living in Egypt, the Israelites forgot their nomadic roots and shepherding became a menial vocation for the working class. And shepherds became a despised people. And it was, in, it was into this social context of religious snobbery and class prejudice that God's son was born. How surprising 
and how significant that God handpicked lowly, humble shepherds to first hear the announcement. It's a boy. And guess what? He is the promised Messiah. Jesus came to the poor and the humble, didn't he? Jesus came to redeem ordinary, common people like you and me. And he came for the beggars. He came for the homeless. He came for the needy. Being born in a stable and laid in a manger symbolized his poverty and his identification with us. He left the golden palaces of heaven to enter a world of pain and suffering and insufficient funds. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Even from birth, Christ moved among the lowly. Christ's coming was not only to save sinners from their sin, but to also give the rejected and the despised a better place in society. And I'm thankful for that. To show them that God sees them. To show them that God knows their pain and that he has come to help them. Just like Jesus raised the status of the rejected, half-breed, Samaritan woman at the well, he conversed with her. He asked her for a drink of water, and he eventually told her the truth of who he was. God raised the status of the lowly shepherds by telling them the great news of the birth of the Messiah before he told anybody else. You know, the shepherds may have been the first to know this great news because the perfect lamb of God was born that night. The flocks near Bethlehem, they were not any ordinary sheep. They were the sheep that were used in the temple for sacrifices. The sheep were bought and they were sacrificed to make atonement for sin. They had to be perfect. They couldn't have a spot, a spot or they couldn't have a blemish. But these, and these sacrifices had to be made over and over and over again. But Jesus came. Jesus came to be God's final sacrifice for sin. His death on the cross provided atonement for sin once and for all. God provided Jesus as the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. How fitting it was that the angels appeared to shepherds that night when the Lamb of God was born. You know, God broke into the shepherds' everyday life 
and changed everything for them. Where were those shepherds when the angel appeared to them? They were at work, weren't they? They were doing their job. They weren't on a spiritual retreat. They weren't even in church. They were at work. Just life up there on the hill was business as usual for those shepherds. Until the angel of God busted into their everyday life and scared them half to death. Who wouldn't be? The angel told them the news that they had been waiting all their lives to hear that the long-awaited Messiah had been born. News that all the Israelites had been waiting to hear for centuries. And the first one to get the news were humble shepherds doing their job, going about life as usual. Aren't you so very glad that the bottom rung of the social ladder is not invisible to God? Aren't you glad that you and I are not invisible to God? Aren't you glad that he breaks into our everyday lives and changes everything? He saw the shepherds. God saw them, and he honored them by giving them the first and the greatest news ever spoken. So what did they do with it? These shepherds, they dropped their staffs, they left their sheep, and off they ran to Bethlehem to see this very special baby. Everything had changed for them. With that announcement, life went from darkness to light, from hunger to satisfaction, from hatred to love. Because of Jesus, we are no longer plagued with insufficient funds. He came to provide for us forgiveness and a life of love and righteousness instead of a life of sin. Thank you, Jesus. After seeing Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, the shepherds were forever changed. And they went out and they spread the great news about the Messiah that had been born. Everyone they came into contact with, they told them the story about that night when everything changed. And God is at work in our everyday lives also. Do you believe that? God breaks in to our everyday life and changes everything. But sometimes we just don't take the time to see it, to recognize it. There's a Christian practice that can help us see God in the ordinary aspects of our own lives. All we need to do is to take a few minutes at the end of every day to just close our eyes and review the events of the day and just say, Lord, help me to see when you were at work in my day. And just think through your day. Think about your getting up. Think about your getting ready. Think about your going to work or to school. Think about going to the store. Think about just what you did that day 
and say, Lord, show me where you came in and intercepted my day and made a difference. And thank him for that. And I really do believe that the more that we focus on being aware of God coming into our everyday life as we go about our everyday business, God is there at work using us, changing us, helping us to make a decision to respond in love instead of react in anger. God is at work helping us to do that. He will reveal himself to us if we are open to him doing that. For you and I, we were all born with insufficient funds. We were born with sin in our lives already working against us. But the birth of Jesus Christ changed that for us, and he provided the perfect sacrifice needed so that we can have eternal life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to remember Christ's sacrifice for us by sharing the Lord's Supper together. Jesus grew up. He ministered to people. He called 12 disciples to learn from him, to walk with him, to carry on his ministry. And they were gathered together. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Every time you eat this, remember the sacrifice that I paid for you. Then Jesus took the cup, and he lifted it up, and he said to his disciples, his friends, his closest friends, and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you, for your forgiveness of sins. When you drink of it, remember this. Know that I loved you and be thankful. We're going to take communion a little differently this morning. Um, we're just going to invite you to come down the center aisle to take the bread from those that are helping with us, helping today and to dip it into the cup and to eat that and remember Jesus' sacrifice for you. And then you can go down the aisles on the end there and go back to your seats. There are gluten-free elements, prepackaged elements here on the altar. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very much for coming to earth to change everything. We thank you, Jesus, that we do not have to live our lives with insufficient funds, but we can know we are forgiven, that we have eternal life, that sin, we are no longer slaves to sin, but Lord, because of you, we are slaves to righteousness. Father, I pray that even now, Lord, as we come forward, as we come to take um, this bread and this cup, I pray, Jesus, that you will be at work in our hearts and in our lives. And Father, if there's someone here that has not yet 
received you, that has not yet come to that place where they believe in you, that you died for them, that you love them. I pray, Jesus, that today might be the day of salvation. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you have done for us and what you are continuing to do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can invite those who are helping to serve communion to come forward, please. We'll start from the back, and you can come forward.
would you stand with me? We're going to sing our last song together, and then Pastor Scott will come back up and close us out for the day. Something to think about all week, what Pastor Kelly said, what those the shepherds were like, how Jesus came and they got to do an amazing job of telling the world about him. Never underestimate him and who he's going to use and what he's going to do through them. We all have insufficient funds. That'll stick with me for a long time. Good thing to fund up. Thank you, Pastor Kelly.
go to the Father in prayer. Lord, you saw us. You named us. You knew each one of us. You knew the mission that your son coming would, what it would do, all it would save us. We're so thankful because we were all born without insufficient funds, Lord. That means we're not good enough, but with your power, Lord, we can be. With your saving grace, we can be. We're so thankful for that. You are enough. You are enough. Let us be mindful of that this week as we go, of where our strength comes from. Let us become less you become greater in our lives, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Say